the thing that you need to do is to understand what kind of agent and what kind of agency do you want to run? What do you want that end user experience to feel like for your clients? And how can you get more clients? So I always advise people to sit down with their team and have a bit of a vision meeting around, well, what does an amazing experience look like with us for a seller? What does an amazing experience look like with us for a buyer? You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Here is your host, Samantha McLean. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Samantha McLean, editor of Elite Agent and host of today's show. My guest on today's podcast is the founder and president of the PropTech Association of Australia, Kylie Davis. So Kylie, welcome to the show. Hey, Sam. Great to be here. Yeah, it was good to see you, actually, because normally we see each other at fabulous international events like Inman and stuff like that. But yeah. we, haven't, no. we, haven't, <laughs> we haven't had too many catch-ups like that in recent years. No, I like to pride ourselves on that we only meet at, in, in fabulous hotel lobbies or swanky bars, right? Yeah, but um, we'll, have to, we'll have to work on that, actually, we because... Will. Because, um, you know, it doesn't look like unless we all get vaccinated in a big hurry that that's going anywhere. I am double V'd and damn you to hell COVID. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, So to kick things off, like let's talk to people about the PropTech Association of Australia because it's relatively new and I feel like people don't really understand what you do or or who you help. So can you give us a bit of an overview? Sure. So... The prop tech industry in Australia has grown exponentially over the last six years. So, you know, it started off back in the day with realestate.com and domain and, and, and the CoreLogic RP data guys. But in the last six years with the advent of cloud computing, um, there's been so much more innovation going on in the prop tech space. And so by our estimation, we think there's about 650 prop techs out there and they cover the full gamut of, you know, real residential real estate and helping agents become more efficient or effective. But then there's an awful lot bigger ecosystem out there as well around, you know, property management, around commercial property, around all the, you know, subsections of commercial property, you know, retail and commercial. And then there's an awful lot of stuff also happening in the construction space. And then there's also, we know because fintech is the kind of industry ahead of us on this innovation curve, an awful lot of stuff that's gone on in fintech and is continuing to go on. And that's impacting the real estate industry as well. So we wanted to create an industry association that represented the interests of the the innovators in in property and real estate and could, could help both real estate agents and the property industry understand what good innovation looks like and bring the innovators together to start to create some standards around innovation and, um, you know, and, and make look at what good adoption looks like and bring us together to help everybody understand who's who in the zoo, what's going on and, um, and to improve that communication and education between the two groups. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because there's, I mean, 
your definition of prop tech in the industry is probably quite different to a lot of people's. Like people hear the word prop tech and think, oh, Uber of real estate, but it's yeah. actually quite a lot. <laughs> or Tinder of real estate, that's the new thing. Oh, that's the new thing. But it's, yeah. it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot broader than that now. So can you just describe to us what, what prop tech really includes? Any technology that improves or changes how we design, plan, build, sell, market, rent, manage, renovate, just yeah. anything to do anything. With, the, with the built environment. And, and, it, and it stretches from technology that is that we're really comfortable and common with and what the residential real estate sector would define as, real, as, as prop tech, which is sales and marketing innovation or CRMs and um, or ways to, um, to, you know, property management and, and, and trust accounting and all of that sort of typical stuff that that's kind of that's almost the heart and soul of of where a lot of this stuff started but it's it's sort of you know if you imagine like a drop in the pond and then all the rings are starting to spread out from there we're now seeing stuff around well how do I design a property what are all the the rules and regulations for all of the councils across Australia and how do we bring them together so that you that you can actually do that really quickly and easily rather than it taking, you know, 400 days to get a, a plan approved? How do I conceive what, a, if I'm thinking of buying a block of land, how do I conceive what that looks, what that could look like and what could be built on it? And how do I really quickly understand the investment potential of it? It's also down the other side of it, you know, around buying and selling experiences. And it's all the way out to what does a smart building really look like? And what are the elements of a smart building? And therefore, how do we create smart cities? off that and what do smart cities look like and what's all the technology that looks that that fits together to look like that I think that the key thing around it though is none of this stuff is happening in isolation anymore and it can't happen in isolation and if we're going and so the technology needs to all be talking to each other and it needs to be enabling really great human experiences it's not about you know, sort of five years ago, probably the way that we were doing it, and maybe we're still doing it now, but most real estate agents were thinking, oh, I just have to, oh, here's the latest thing, I'll understand it, and then I'll decide if I want it or not. Now what we're seeing is that there's so much of that out there that actually you need to understand what your business is doing, and then you can start to work out what what tech you should be asking to kind of pitch to you. It's interesting because even in our newsroom, like we get all sorts of news releases from all sorts of companies that kind of fit that definition of prop tech. Yep. Um, and it's, there seems to be a new one every day. And a lot of people think, I guess, that prop tech is just about startups, you know, like because we talk about prop tech and we talk about Series A and we talk about venture capitalists and people throwing a heap of money into the real estate industry. Yep. But I think that um, that's led to a bit of a misconception that prop tech is just about startups. So yep. can you tell me a little bit about um, the different levels of prop tech that you're seeing and how they fit into that definition? Yeah, we, we realised really early on that and, you know, you and I are both journalists by background, so we love language. And I realised really early on that people were using prop tech and startup as as the same word to mean the same thing. And, in fact, they're really not. A prop tech is any business that works in that innovation and technology inside the property or real estate space. So, so that's your kind of broad umbrella definition that covers everything. But then inside that, you have businesses that are startups, scale-ups, and then established businesses. And so we're all really familiar with the established 
businesses inside the prop tech space, the realestate.coms, the domains, the CoreLogics, the Rockins, um, MRIs, um, all of those big guys. Then we've got the startups and then the, 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 the newbies who are innovating and are try, have come up with an idea and are testing whether that idea works. And, and they might be the guys that are, that have the really out there, you know, thing that you've never thought of before that could change the whole world, but they're looking for, or they could have something that's just a really great innovation on what we're doing, but they're brand new businesses. They're usually under uh, three years old. They, they're funding, they're either self-funded or they've pulled together a bit of, you know, friends, families and fools funding. And they're just trying to get that idea up and win their first clients. And then we have that second tier, which is the, the scale-ups. And these are the ones that a lot of us uh, know. And I think if we think of them as startups, we're kind of uh, undermining them a little bit, but they are the active pipes, the open agents, um, the box brownies, the, guy, the, the rate my agents, the guys that have been out there for probably about, you know, five to up to 10 years that are growing really, really quickly. They um, have great products. They're established in market. They're still got, they're still quite, they're still very innovative and they're still growing and improving and building on their product base, but they have established businesses, good capital and money behind them. And, um, and they're building out their businesses to really be supportive of, um, you know, to really kind of fill all the gaps that, you know, that will make turn them into very big companies. Recently, you had some awards as well, the first PropTech Association Awards. So what were some of the interesting things to come out of that? You know, can you tell us about some of the winners? Sure. So I, so the really interesting thing that came out of that was how many prop techs are out there? I mean, I really thought I had a handle on the industry and I came away from it going, I've got no idea. Like, it was just, it's a bit like, um, you know, postcodes in Sydney, you can learn a new suburb every day. Um, and there really is that much innovation going on. So we saw some really interesting themes come out of it. We saw that there is a a plethora of little prop techs that are working like the, the innovation that's happening in the smart building and smart city space is quite astonishing and it gives you enormous hope for the future people um one of our big winners who won both their category and then won prop tech of the year exogenics they run algorithms that get you an extra sort of five to ten percent out of your existing air conditioning cooling unit and you think God, well, what? How can they do that? How can they do that? And is that yeah. isn't that a bit boring? Except when you start to play it out, they they basically make you know if every single air conditioning unit sitting in a commercial building across Australia was five to ten percent more effective, we would be smashing our carbon goals. And and when you start to really get down to that detail, it's and and also I had my hats off to them because you would think that that was actually quite a a boring, <laughs> a boring piece of tech. And I said that to them, but they explained it so beautifully that actually they won the hearts of all the judges across all of the categories. So, you know, they, they were the standout winners in their, in their category. Um, we're also seeing a lot, we're seeing a lot of buyer uh, innovation starting to happen. And I think this is something that real estate agents need to pay attention to because in that startup space, there are a hell of a lot of new startups coming up that are trying to improve buyer experiences around off-market um, property, around empowering buyers to, to do better research. Um, we saw Indox win in, in that category, a little startup out of Brisbane that is basically working it's like the digital safe idea so coming up with this idea that every homeowner has a gazillion 
um, you know, warranties and and plans and building things that you capture over the lifetime of living in a property, and they are probably in a in a drawer in the kitchen. The electronic logbook. The electronic logbook, but it's been hard to build that out as a business because it's a B two C business, and that's a really tricky thing to do. So they've gone to the development space first, and they're they're bringing builders on, you know, project developers on board, putting it into their buildings to get their business up to a point where they can then go B two C, which is really smart. Um, and just, um, you know, another one you drew, you know, everybody knows that the most painful thing after buying and owning a home is to actually try and renovate the bloody thing. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how do you get the plans through? How do you visualize what it's going to look like? How do you make that really easy? And that's what, that's what you drew do. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I'll just pick up on what the, the first thing that you said there, the, the innovation in residential properties. And I mean, I know commercial are quite far ahead with their digital twin technology and stuff like that. But um, when I imagine... Doesn't mean they adopt it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, when I think about property management, something like property management in the future and have done for a few years, it's like, you know, having a fridge. I, well, I remembered, you know, 20 years ago when I worked for Cisco, we had this iHome, the fridge was internet enabled the washing machine was internet enabled. They had some massive routers in the garage, but um, the whole house was like, garage. yeah, tw- tw- 20 years ago, this is the routers were big, yeah. um, but they were all, it was constantly sending signals back to like mission control. Yep. And I often thought that that would play out in a property management context where the machine would tell you before it was going to break down. So you'd be dealing in proactive maintenance, let's say. I mean, I'm dreaming. You'd, you'd be, no, you no, know, you're not. The, no, no, this the, is the all fridge, real. Yeah, this the, the, the fridge what, would tell you. What my aircon guys were basically about the yeah. um, exogenics. Yeah, so that they they would send they would send the property manager an email saying the air conditioner is about to fail, or the air conditioner needs a service. Um, uh, you know, let's let's go. How well? So we're fairly close to that, are we? We are really close to that. So the Internet of Things is one of these big drivers and we're seeing an awful lot of technology in the commercial space come out around that especially um, because facilities management and asset management, um, you know, commercial buildings get built with a whole lot of uh, quite common um, tech inside them, the elevator, the, you know, aircon units, the... um, and and they're increasingly getting sensors into them, which are not just telling um, telling the facilities manager or the building manager that they're they're about to fail or have failed, but they tell them that they've booked an appointment for the technician to turn up. And and then you're seeing that data going into centralised dashboards, which means that actually the facility manager can see that things are coming to the end of their life cycle and sending alerts, and it's and and then starting to get really ahead of their planning. So instead of um, Kylie Davis sitting on level 21 of the CoreLogic building with a pashmina on in the middle of a 40 degree day, <laughs> complaining that she's freezing cold and can't type, um, basically the building would already know that, and in fact the repairs would have been done to the. <laughs> to the building to 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 fix that stuff but we're seeing all of that stuff start to happen in a in a home environment too so so you know our google homes in our our homes are starting to capture stuff oven you know our cookware is getting smarter there is talk of maybe your toilet becoming part of your health analysis which terrifies me but <laughs> god <laughs> yeah that that is, that is terrifying but also makes sense yeah I but, but i think what the you know what's the re- why why should real estate agents care about that 
Well, they need to care about that because when the time comes to sell a property that is connected in this way, um, and look, Australians are the single biggest adopters of solar power in the world, like per head of you know head of house. So it makes sense that we'll also start to adopt some of this other technology that improves how our homes perform and how our homes um, consume energy. And when it comes time to sell them, you're going to need to know where all the codes and the passwords and the security keys are for that. And you don't want that to um, be the thing that delays your settlement because you can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> it, it won't be about going to the bank to get a check. It'll be <laughs> No, 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 no. Oh, and look, and all of that settlement stuff speeding up at the speed of light as well. And so what we're seeing is that the transaction for real estate agents is getting longer uh, in terms of you can't just sort of sell the property and then go, oh, well, you know, I'll sort of give you the, you know, turn up and we'll give you the keys on a plastic chain. It's actually the the agent and the buyer and seller are more, you know, are really able to see transparently the whole steps of the process and know where it's up to so that you don't drop the ball, that nobody can drop a ball any longer or it becomes easier to not, to to avoid dropping balls. I feel like some kids in a garage need to develop like a blockchain app to keep track of all of that too. Um, I think that's that's pretty much being done as we speak. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't. I can't tell that, you the name of it off the top of my head, but I know that there is someone out there doing all of that. That yeah. that does that does not surprise me at all. Yeah. Um, well, what are some of the misconceptions do you think about the role of technology in the real estate industry? Oh, I think the biggest misconception is that I press a, a shiny button and all my problems go away. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that doesn't happen. That's the biggest misconception. There's there's a couple of things. I think um, I think most agents misassume that you know prop tech is one thing and the same thing, I, and therefore, if they try one thing once and it doesn't work, then then none of it works. So you know that that's always a bit of a risk. I think the other thing that we the other mistake that we make is. Um, that you know, it is that big shiny button and it is around what should I, you know, how should I assess the prop tech that I want or that I need and how should I go about doing that? And from those two mistakes, we see most of the other sort of, most of the other sort of misconceptions come out of it. So my advice to, to agents thinking about tech is, is a couple of things. First of all, don't try and understand all the tech that is out there. That is the, you'll end up spending a gazillion hours on the internet running down a million, um, a, a million warrants. It's what I do pretty much every day, every day as I learn about new, new tech companies. Um, and even just about our members on the, on the prop tech site. The thing that you need to do is to understand what kind of agent and what kind of agency do you want to run? What do you want that end user experience to feel like for your clients and how can you get more clients and and how do you get more you know how do you get more leads how do you get more clients and so I always advise people to sit down with their team and 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 you know have a bit of a vision you know meeting around well what do, what does an amazing experience look like with us for a seller what does an amazing experience look like with us for a buyer what does an amazing experience look like for a renter what does an amazing experience look like for a, a landlord investor um 
And don't worry about where the money is coming from yet. Just worry about what that amazing experience looks like. And then ask yourself, well, why can't we deliver that right now? And nine times out of 10, the reason you can't deliver that right now is because you don't have unlimited money and unlimited people resource to execute it. So the question then is, what do we have and how good are we at doing these things? You know, rate yourself out of 10 or five as to, you know, how good you are at delivering those services right now. And then take each section one by one and find out or ask around to find out, well, what tech could help us solve this problem? And then ask the tech providers to pitch to you so that so that you're not trying to find, you know, basically put it out to almost a tender or a, uh, you know, a request for, for service and say, we are looking to solve these problems. Come and tell us. And now if they're really good, um, and so you'll then sort of get offers to, um, to help solve those problems. What I also think you should understand as an agency is what is your risk profile? So when I say that, when we look at the startups, scale-ups and established providers, they all have really different risk levels of using them. The established providers have been in business for, you know, for, for a really long time. They have very established products and services and pricing models. Um, if you've got a problem, you know exactly the sort of experience you're going to get when you ring them or, or call them or contact their help desk and, and support, uh, ask for help. At the bottom end of it, the startups are not necessarily um, really well funded. If they win you as a big client, they're going to, you know, potentially struggle to onboard 700 agents all in one hit. Um, you know, you need to sort <laughs> yeah. of think about how you how you roll out and and what. But they will be enormously focused on uh, innovating and customizing the solution that 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 you're looking for, and they will be extraordinarily loyal to you and really work hard to kind of to to work with you. You have to be really mindful of how you roll those projects out inside your business and then the scale-ups in the middle are guys that are you know they've been around um they've got a great product they're pretty robust in their service delivery um you'll probably have um there'll be one or two things that you'll want to work through with them but they'll but they'll be quite um but they'll be quite solid but they'll also be reasonably flexible that's interesting actually because a lot of people you know like they see the shiny objects but you know i think that um that question about risk profile is really really important because yeah. um you know like it's it's fine to go after shiny objects but and and if you've got a great appetite for risk and you want to be a trailblazer then that's fine but if Absolutely. you if yeah. you like things <laughs> nice <laughs> safe solid um you know it's it's probably not the best choice yeah i think i think that big misconception is that any prop tech is proven prop tech that has to work immediately to everybody. And there's a couple of problems in that. It, it doesn't fit in with that, you know, like a brand new prop tech that is still testing, it's you're going to be part of its beta. So you have to be careful. You have to be comfortable with the fact that you're part of its beta. And it depends on the problem you're solving and how many um, uh, and how you're rolling it out as to whether that's um whether that's okay. And I don't want to discourage anyone from trying betas, but I want you to do it in small controlled experiments. So, and I say this from experience. So um, if you're going to, if you're going to do something with a really, with a brand new prop tech, um, that's fantastic, but create a little uh, test sandbox. So don't roll it out to every single client on day one, like to, you know, to 500 or a thousand clients on day one, do a test with sort of 30, 40, 50 of your um, best clients or depending on what the tech is, but, you know, find a group of, of people that you know will be a little bit um, 
forgiving if if things happen. Explain to them what you're about to do. That say that you're about to try this really new exciting thing and um, and see how it works. And then expect that it won't go perfectly and be ready to manage that. So um, so that you can improve it as you go. Because when you're tr- when you're doing stuff with brand new startup prop techs, you are basically helping them find the problems so that they can solve them and make that tech more robust. So you have to be in that mindset that actually this is a really exciting experiment that we're going to, um, we're going to take the tech, we're going to break it and we're going to show them all the ways we broke it so they can fix it. And then the next time we roll it out, we uh, it doesn't break anymore. And that's a good thing to be aware of, I think, um, you know, when, when you're getting into this stuff for sure. But, you know, the, the other thing we see a lot, I suppose, and I'm going to ask you to switch hats here, um, is that with prop tech and with a lot of things actually, you know, the one agent will see another agent down the road doing something, adopting something. AI seems to be the flavour of the month at the moment. And I'll think, well, I need that too, which is completely against your previous advice of looking at oh, yes. what, <laughs> what what the customer wants and, you know, like what sort of an experience you want the customer to have. So what I, what I guess I'm getting at is I think sometimes agents look too much at other agents and don't go back to the buyers and sellers. But yeah. um, I heard that you've done some research into what buyers and into the buyer seller experience and what they're really looking for. So (laughs) can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So um, this is some research I actually did for ActivePipe, but um, what buyers and sellers really want is they want a relationship with a real estate agent that they can trust. And it's as simple as that. They don't want a speed date. They don't want to, they don't want to have to, you know, there's enough to do when you are selling a property or buying a property without having to second guess whether the person on the end of the phone or sitting opposite you is scam, you know, is scamming you or or playing you in any way. And so what the research showed in um, that we did was that about 65% of, uh, it's a number in the mid-60s, um, of sellers wanted to use the same agent that they used last time to sell but a lot of them didn't because that agent had never stayed in touch with them or they couldn't remember their name because they hadn't stayed in touch with them so we just see you know like a like you know like a dentist like a solicitor um like a doctor, you don't want to see your real estate agent every day. You don't necessarily even want to talk to them every month, but you want to know that when you need them, they're there and you can pick the relationship up rather than having to start from scratch and build everything again. Yep. So the key message there is have a client care program and don't, don't, you know, sort of, I think we hear all the time, the relationship agent versus the transactional agent. And, you know, don't just be the transactional agent that moves on to the next one, like actually, and there are plenty of people in the industry that are are great examples of that. I think even people we've had on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Was there anything else interesting in the survey that you'd like to highlight? I think the, I mean, look, the way to, the way to build trust is to stay in touch with people. And, um, what we found was real estate agents that were able to segment their, their database and recognize who was a seller, who was a buyer, who was an investor, who was a, a renter and who was a buyer of two bedroom apartments versus who was a buyer of four bedroom family homes. The agents that were able to segment that sort of to, to, to that level. And that's not hard using the tech that's out there. Um, 
were able to deliver quite amazing experiences to their to their sellers and buyers. This kind of comes down to that some of the, what we were talking about originally. That one of the big themes of the tech is this emerging group of buyer startups or buyer care startups. And I remember sort of five, six years ago, sitting in a room of, of some of the you know biggest brains in real estate and everyone was lamenting that, you know, this, there were these startups out there, these prop techs out there that were selling real estate agent leads and wasn't it terrible and they shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't be allowed. And, and that, you know, and those start, then those prop techs emerged because agents were taking such, were, were not taking care of lead generation and so they opened up the market and made that a possible way for prop techs to, you know, to, to create businesses like the open agents. What we're seeing now in this emerging group of buyer startups is that real estate agents need to pay attention to this trend and they need to start paying attention to how they buy a care. And I understand completely that real estate agents currently on their commission model make their money out of sellers' commissions. But if you choose to give buyers a really shitty experience because they're not your primary focus, then every time you transact a property, you lose 50% of the leads that you could win. So when we take better care of buyers, we're basically putting leads in the, in the money box or in the bank for when those buyers come to sell and those buyers all know people who are selling anyway. They know other people who are, you know, who are, are transacting property. So the best thing you can do for your lead generation, and we saw this in the in the Active Pipe Trust research, was definitely have a have a, a a program in place that looks after sellers and keeps in touch with them in, in, after you've done business with them. But also, the easiest thing you can do right now is to start to take care of the people who are turning up to your open inspections asking about the about the property for sale and start to actually help them by automating how you help them but help them to to um to get their property bought yeah i've always thought you need to track people moving in whether it's you know whether it's buyers or tenants even um i'm just speaking from my own experiences because we all get the same stuff in the letterbox and it all looks the same and it's almost like you know, I'm not even their customer right now. So why can't you give me something that's relevant to me? No, exactly. And look, what we saw in that um, research too was how big, you know, so we saw this permission promise that a potential client will give you. And this is how the permission promise plays out. I turn up to the open for inspection or I meet with you and I give you my email. I'm happy for you. Okay, I'll go on your email database. I'll give you my email. But what happens then in the same way that uh, when a a buyer turns up to an, or when someone turns up to an open inspection, they're interviewing the agent to see how they perform. A potential seller is interviewing the agent. When they give you your email, their email, they're basically wanting to see how you handle that, how you treat it. Like, are you sending me stuff that's relevant and interesting? Are you sending, and here's the other thing too that came out of it. Why should I give you my email rather than realestate.com? So if I give you my email, I'm expecting you to give me something better than I would get from realestate.com because I because we've now eyeballed each other and I, I know you face to face. So if you don't live up to that, so if you send me out just the same emails that you I could get from email from realestate.com that just tells me you sold a house. big deal like that's what you do that's like that's what real estate agents do I want to know how much you sold it for I'm on your email database I'm not like I want to know how much it went for I want to know how how many bedrooms it has because I want to compare it to my property if you don't want to do that that's fine I'll go and ask open agent they'll give me a report you know (laughs) yeah 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 
Yeah, it's it's on. Yeah, you can't send the congratulations. I did my job. Emails. Like, no, no, please stop that, people. Please stop that. I mean, look yeah. great, but you know, but give them more. Give them more. Give them information they can't get elsewhere. Give them information that's timely. Give them help people. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they want. Damn it, <laughs> damn it, help people. <laughs> so I just want to pick up on that last little bit there because. Like a lot of people come on this podcast and they say that consumers' expectations are increasing like across the board, around the whole world, about everything. Yep. From the research that you've done, do you think that, cons- that you know, that that statement applies to real estate or <laughs> um, is, is it more just, you know, getting the simple things right? I think I think both. I think yes, it definitely applies to real estate. And it definitely applies to real estate because I can get better service from my local coffee shop buying a $4.50 soy flat white than I can get from spending $1.2 million on a property. And I don't think it's unreasonable to expect that if I'm going to spend the most money I've ever spent on anything in my entire life, that my user experience, my customer experience should be as equal to at least a $4.50 coffee from my barista. Yeah. I don't think that's unfair or unreasonable to expect. So here's the really sad thing is that actually people go into a real estate experience knowing that they probably won't get, you know, it probably won't be that good. And so our expectations on every other purchase experience as consumers, and and look, don't tell me real estate agents are immune from this because I've sat on the other side, like on the prop tech side or the where I am the service delivery person and agents have demanded exactly the same service that we're talking about now from, from me and from the businesses that I've represented and, you know, stomp their foot if they're not getting it. And that can be something as simple as a conference ticket or, a, um, you know, I, you know, I want, you know, I want, I want some decent service and, and everybody is completely entitled to that. The excuses for not giving it are even less now because it is so, you know, because there's so much tech out there that's making it so much easier. So I think people, buyers and sellers are going into real estate experiences sort of ready for battle, you know, sort of having to, okay, we know this is going to be hard. We know it's going to be stressful because we know the industry isn't there yet. And, um, and that's actually really sad it it it's it makes us really vulnerable because it means that you know we you know people ask me oh if there's 650 prop techs out there isn't that too many shouldn't some of them go away and it's like <laughs> <We're too. laughs> when is it going to stop kylie when is it going to stop it's like well never <laughs> like, no 650 is not enough have you tried to buy a home have you tried to sell a home have you tried to renovate a home have you tried to move into a retail property or a, or a residential property have you tried to do any of those things have you have you loved that experience if the answer is no <laughs> on a scale of one to ten if your experience was under a five then absolutely there is room for more prop tech to solve these problems i mean you know and then after you get through that have you tried to build a house oh my god yeah 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 there's no there's no reason at least 20 years of innovation waiting to happen right there you want job security get into that space right now yeah Yeah. there's 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 no reason that technology shouldn't be making everyone's lives easier it does so in so many other places yeah we are not in a bubble the uberization of real estate or the tinderization of real estate 
you know, they're NAF terms, but they do refer to this idea that I can, I know what, so what do they mean? They mean, I know what I'm getting into. I know what a good experience looks like. I can see where I am in the process and I get rewarded when it all goes well. Yeah. Like they're the four things that we, that, that this is what all of this tech is trying to do for us. So I guess after all this talk about technology, let's just picture you've decided to go and get your license from Uncle Tim. Yep. And um, you're going to set up your own real estate agency. What would you do? I'd be looking to, to put as much tech in to automate from end to end. And this is not because I want to deliver a terrible, a less personal experience. It's because I want the heavy lifting of the busyness done for me so that I can basically spend my time on the relationships. So to that end, I would be looking at how do I automate how my inquiry comes into my office. So I'd be looking at a, a Rita or an Air. I would be looking at how do I communicate with my um, with my clients on a regular basis. I'd be looking at an active pipe. I would be um, using something like a Realtor uh, or an end-to-end kind of proposal so you know sort of pitching and pulling um, information in I'd have a kick-ass database a CRM system sitting under it like a um, like a, a vault or a um, or a Rex labs um, sitting under it I would be marketing and promoting myself constantly with my active pipe there's a handful of um, texts out there that it can now help you with your social media so I'd be generating my activity that way um, I've got all of, I'm, I'm now starting to pitch and see clients. So I'm bringing them in that way. I'd have a really amazing property management system that is also really automated so that my, my property management team are assisting my investors in making them wealthier and helping them grow their portfolios, not just fixing repairs all the time. In my property management software, I would have uh, the technology and there's a lot of these out there now that actually are, are my uh, desk of tradies that I use regularly and are starting to collate their quotes really quickly so I don't have to sort of manually manage my email all the time for that so I've got a lot of automation sort of flowing through all of these things are talking to each other and then when it comes to putting a property onto the market I would be using something like a market buy or a or an open or a rezo which is basically allowing my buyers to see that their bid has been received or their offer has been received and where they are in the transaction. And then once that's, um, once we've sold the property, I would be handing off to someone like a um, real-time conveyancer or a PEX and, and or PEXA to make sure that my, the settlement goes through really easily without me having to run around madly after it. Um, and then I would be making sure both my buyers and my sellers have fantastic you know, you know, kiss the house and say goodbye, welcome the house and, and you know, welcome them in. But it's I would a- also have in my team someone in charge of all of the digital marketing and I would have in my team someone in charge of all of the digital, you know, like my a digital manager because there is a lot of tech in this and, you know, they, it will disconnect from each other occasionally or someone will upgrade something and break everything else and, you know, so so not having that as something that sort of just happens and, and we all go, oh, no, but actually having someone proactively managing that is also part of what you need to do. It's a lot to think about as well, but we might try and get a bit creative with how we list that stuff because I think it's, you know, it's it's really interesting for existing business owners to look out there as to how you would 
set up a new a new office? Yeah, well, I think you know uh, we all get stuck in you know we're all we're all guilty, and it's a complete human norm to if you've done all this work so far, you don't want to let it go. But sometimes taking the time to visualize what's possible without any of the uh, restrictions of what has happened already can yeah. really help you. And, and again, it goes back to that original exercise of what does an amazing experience look like for my clients? Well, what does an amazing, what does a brand new real estate office look like? And what are we doing that isn't that right now? And what would we need to do to get there? And then sort of working on projects to, to get you there. What's next for you? You wear a number of hats in the industry. I do. I'm a chronically insecure overachiever. What can I say? Do you sleep and what are you up to for the next few months? The sale of uh, Home Prezzo to ActivePipe finish uh, kind of vests in the next month or so. So I'm continuing on with my contract with ActivePipe and uh, working with the PropTech Association and because PropTech Association is a volunteer, so I have to I have to do something to pay for day, this prop tech madness. Day job. <laughs> have a day job. <laughs> it's my side hustle. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm also working with uh, the RISE initiative, so working on the RISE conference, and we have a leadership conference coming up in November that I'm sure will keep me busy. And, um, and then I have a handful of prop tech clients forms live down in Melbourne and um, AI assets that I'm working on their marketing. So my market, my little team is, is growing and um, I'm working on how I scale my business. <laughs> yeah. In, well, in interesting times and I'm sure that there's going to be plenty to keep you busy out there in the next 12 months, particularly, you know, if we stay locked down for a while, people are going to need their tech. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's the thing that's kept us sane, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Carly, it's been um, it's been great catching up with you, even if there isn't a fabulous bar and a fabulous hotel involved. Um, and I'll ask you the same question to end that I ask all of my guests is, which is, if there was one thing or one thought that you would like to leave everyone with, what would it be? My number one golden piece of advice around PropTech is that PropTech's actually a human issue and that human issue is how do we do change management and if real estate wants to get better at technology we need to stop focusing on the tech we actually need to start focusing on how do we get better at change management and then the tech will you know the tech the the right tech will appear at the right time you know to 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 fix stuff yeah amazing carly davis thank you so much thanks sir we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com. 